Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hot Body Dawson, pow pow pow! I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along to the beginning of a brand new Odyssey, and we are going to look over the next, who knows how long, into uh, a TV show very close to our hearts from the mid uh, 1980s, and it went by the name of Kickstart, and... Wikipedia describes it as a motorcycle trials game show. Um, game show? I wouldn't call mm. it that. Serious business. Yeah, it was but, just um, normal. There, there wasn't any other element to it than a sport, was there? Like, who's going to win? It wasn't like there was mm. another... It wasn't like fucking Bullseye where you had a mate who wasn't riding yeah. a bike bad to answer general knowledge questions. Yeah, and you, you didn't get through to the final of each week. And then you did get through to win the final of the grand final in each... Um, each each week, but um, there's something I've forgotten here between 1979 and 1980. The show ran from 79 to 1992. Now, wow, fuck, and that's news to me. I thought it would have been three or four years tops, but uh, I probably grew out of it after about what channel is it? BBC Two, I think. Two, yeah. But then Junior Kickstart was part of like the children's BBC sort of thing I don't on, know, I think on that BBC was the same. One. I think I think they'd have like six six episodes of um, one of them and then it alternate throughout the year but, but we're, we're looking at full adult kickstart aren't we mm. oh hang on yeah junior kickstart was generally on over the Christmas period and it'll be on over um, consecutive nights so it'll be part of the Christmas um, festivities if you like I, don't I need to ask that. you your thoughts on you know I love to put things in in cultural social context right mm. right from the get go. That's what we're all and about. I've I've got a feeling that during this era, like what do you call these bikes? Scrambler bikes or something? Tr- trials bikes. Trials yeah. bikes, right? Yeah. They were but they were big, weren't they? That's what I think, especially amongst young like fucking around on bikes. But here's another thing. It, I might be completely wrong. I think they were bigger up north uh, or slashing rural areas. So mm. I got a mate who grew up near Macclesfield, and he said that during the heyday of um, of Kickstart, etc., it overlapped with the heyday of Mad Max, like the original right. Mad Max. Yeah, well right. done. Yeah. And he said that him and his mates. This is a bloke I used to work with years ago, but he told me that him and his mates they all had they all had these bikes, mm. right? And they'd go out. There wasn't much to do around where they lived. It was quite rural. And they'd go out right. in the fields or whatever. Yeah. Hillocks. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Right. And he goes, what they'd do is they'd tie boomerangs or, or shit <laughs> to their to their legs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a holster. And they'd scramble after each other. And whilst riding, they'd pull the fucking boomerang out and lob it at the other one. Like, and pretend it was Mad Max. 
that seems plausible. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he oh, goes like it was that. really big in that area. Goes people were yeah. just well into trials bikes. Yeah. And if you lived there anywhere remotely rural, you'd just all be out fucking about on your trials bikes and chucking stuff at each other. I never knew anyone that had a trials bike. Maybe it was a countryside thing. Yeah. Uh, or a rich kid thing. I don't know. But yeah. um, in terms of, they weren't massive. They weren't massive bikes. They were like kind of in between a BMX and a, a yeah, regular Yeah, that's motorbike. what I mean. So it was quite appropriate. They were sort of lightish weight. Yeah. Because that's why you could do all this fucking bullshit on them that they do in Kickstarter. Yeah. You could do loads of tricks and jumping about on them, yeah. couldn't you? And of course, you'd have been the same as me. You, you know, we, we've talked before about going out on your bike, going around your uh, your locale, just checking yeah. up on things, seeing what's going on. Check, all that sometimes sort of thing. shouting at bigger kids. Yeah, yeah. But you'd I'd have drive had... along and go, Oi, wankers! And then I'd go, Cycle, cycle, cycle! As fast as my legs could go for, they catch yeah. me and beat me up. But I had lots of little bits of bits of area where you could do a kind of a kickstart little stunt. Oh yeah, do you know what I mean? Like a, a, low, a low wall, or you know. I had a um, church that you could fuck about on like yeah. that near my mum's house. You just like fuck around on the steps of the church and yeah. jump off of what like a low wall and all that. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff and little things you could slalom in and out of or whatever, like trees yeah. and things like that. Um, Did you have any good subways around yours where oh, you could go down the brilliant. slope? I mean, anyone who's listening to this who was aware of Shiny Row, where I grew up in the 1980s, yeah. will now be saying, of course we had a fucking subway. We had an amazing was it a legendary subway. Su- the, the, shiny way, the Shiny Row subway is a legendary subway. We had two subways. There was one that went under the main road of Shiny Row itself, which mm. was a busy road. It was a busy thoroughfare. Um, so that was the the main one which we all used and the other one in the middle uh, at the top end of shiny road there is a massive roundabout and i'm i'm calling it massive you can have a look on google earth later on sam i will uh it's got a path that dissects it that goes right across the middle uh, and it's got a grass area all the way it's like a bowl it's almost like a bowl and the road is up at the top of it so um the subway goes down under the road and into this kind of grassed area with a path right across and then there's another subway at the other side so you don't have to cross over the roundabout you can go straight underneath it and across it and um, it's it's huge, it's a landmark it's, it's, it's enormous and me and my brother used to think that the Olympics could quite easily have been held there yeah. Because did it ever bid? This, did it ever bid we, for we, the Olympics? We, we, me and him tried to put a bid together, but um, yeah. it was more problematic than we originally thought Surely Steve Cram would have backed you in that couldn't get in touch with him. No. We didn't return our, our letters, put it that way. But he's, he's a Sunderland lad, right? He's from Jarrow, which is nearby, but he's a Sunderland fan. But, um, right, okay. yeah, I, he, we wrote to him. Subsequently, he didn't reply, so, um, yeah, it, it didn't you know work what? out. Fuck him. I didn't even want the Olympics there, to be honest. It went to Los Angeles instead, and I thought, yeah, it looks like a lot of hard work. So um, yeah, it might have overrun the, the the pleasant community spirit that you had there. The infrastructure. Imagine, wasn't imagine, there. imagine the litter. Mm. So uh, yeah, the shiny roundabout. Go and have a look at it. It's, it's still there. I, I tell you what, though, live. mate. The eighty. No offense to shiny row because I'm sure you would have put on a good Olympics. But I have to mm. say, LA eighty four. Best ever Olympics, mate. Uber Olympics, wasn't it? Yeah. It's the fucking best, mate. Carl Lewis. Yeah. It was wicked. Mm. Was that Flojo as well? Flo- no, Florence. I think that was 88. Was that 88? 88 was good. 88 was good. Ben Johnson. Yeah. 
Um, but me, he's fast. Oh, my God. He's on drugs. He's on drugs. Uh, even better. The state of his eyes. They're bloodshot yeah. to fuck. Why didn't anyone spot him? We should have known when he asked if he could compete wearing a pair of Ray-Bans. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, I don't know how we got onto this. Subways. Yeah, you asked if we had a subway, so yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, so you'd be going up and down the... Uh, uh, on my local subways, I had a few as well, because I live right next to like a big road. And uh, there was... You, you have the steps up. When you exit subway, there's steps on one side, slope yeah. on another. That's the system. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Steps on one side, slopes on the other. It's the, but yep. These are the fundamentals Access of a subway. Issues. yeah. And the slope, when you're a kid, doesn't matter. You're you're on the slope. Even if you're on foot, you're always on the slope because when you're a kid, slopes are a fucking wicked laugh. Running down slopes, and you don't want to do stairs when you're a kid. Fucking boring. Hard. They're really boring. They're for boring grown ups. To be honest, they're a bit Tory. (laughs) Stairs are Tory. (laughs) They are a bit though, aren't they? I'm taking the stairs. Well, that is the way it has always been done. Fuck off. You boring cunt. I'm, I'm up the fucking slope. But that slope is meant only for wheelchairs and such. I don't give a fuck, mate. Ah, it's for running up, mate. What's this? <laughs> hey! You I'll only live down. once, cunt. I'll run down it. I'll lift the back of me coat up like it's a cape and I'm fucking Batman. Get a load of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what else I like when you're going down the slope in a, in a subway, but I only cottoned on to this way too late in my childhood. The big glass eye that allows you to see who's coming down the subway. Because then when you're freewheeling down a slope, yeah. it can be lethal. Some other cunt comes out. You haven't mm. seen him. Bang. Mm. Massive accident. Don't think we had a big glass eye. Don't think that was a... But you know what I mean, thing. though? It's a huge glass yeah. sphere. It looks like something that Stanley, Stanley Kubrick might have designed. Yeah. And it sits on the wall... And it allows you to see reflections both inside and outside yeah, of that. It's also for security because, I mean, there was a lot of... I don't want to get into this now, but there was a lot of pretty bad stuff happened in the subways around our way. Like, yeah. they were quite scary. If ever, mm. Even if, if it was remotely dark, like du- early dusk, my mum was like, mm. do not fucking set foot in the subway. the subway she was terrified yeah. it was bad it was just bad shit happening all the time in, mm-hmm. in all of these subways near our area and so we couldn't you know I was sort of banned from them um, but you uh, but when I was freewheeling in daylight hours the glass yeah. eye came in very handy to stop Hugh Jackson's plus it just looked cool and space age-ish yeah um, Shiny Rose subway had uh, a combination of the steps and the slope yeah so it was the uh, so it was it half was, step half slope. It was a slope, but there were steps every kind of meter or so. Well, how does that fucking work if you're disabled in a wheelchair? Well, they're, slopes, they're, playing, they're dicking I don't around. Think slopes were necessarily for disabled people back then. It was just kind of just because well, of how it was slopes. laid out. Yeah, it was just laid out like that. There's your fun slope, but we can't have it too fun because subways <laughs> are a serious business. See, they're not just for kids; they're for business users too. Right? There are lots of local businesses who need to get underneath the road from one side to the other. So, <laughs> we're going to have a little bit of fun mixed with a little bit of practicality. <laughs> so, you've got fun slope, steps. Fun slope, steps. If it's all slope, then the kids are up and down it all fucking day long and the businesses don't get a look in. 
I'm sure there was a, some kind of logic for wheelchair users. It, it would be accepted that it would be all right for them to like go up a small step every metre. Yeah, because they got someone pushing them, probably, wouldn't they? It's not steps your way. <laughs> Come on, how disabled are you? Well, I'm really disabled. I can't walk at all. I cannot get out of this chair. Well, I mean, uh, can, I, well, have you tried? Have you tried? Case, yeah, case you must have someone to push you around. Is that right? I'm sure they can lift uh, them wheels up over a step. Just three fucking so. steps, unless Come you're being on. pushed around by a, a weakling or a lassie. <laughs> Come on now, join in. You want to be part of the community? Get up the steps. <laughs> How are we going to run an Olympics with this attitude? <laughs> <laughs> so the step-slope combo was fucking great in well, terms that, that's, of that would be fun. perfect for kickstart, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there was loads of areas where you would just you just ride around pretend you were on kickstart doing stunts and, uh, and little tricks and stuff. So it was massively influential. But yeah, I was about to say the first series of it from 1979-1980, first two series almost, uh, presented by <gasps> Dave Lee Travis. Oh, never knew that. Mm. Doesn't feel like a natural fit. Like Purvis, he seems like the, an an obvious fit for a show yeah. like this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he's yeah, he's got he's got showbiz pizzazz. Of course he has. He's been doing Blue Peter for years, right? But there's a certain vibe of kind of. I don't know, like capability about him. Like he's the sort yeah, of guy that common sense. If you, if you had a puncher, you'd you'd say you'd know that Purvis could help you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Purvis knows how a bike works. He understands yeah. engines, right? And he slopes. didn't before this began, but he did a two-day course. Yeah. And now yeah, he's got all exactly. the Exactly. The BBC no would have sent him on a course, and he's like, no problem. When yeah. I was at the when I was at the Blue Peter. When I was on Peter, that's what they call it. If you if you if you if you're a veteran of Blue Peter, you just call it Peter or BP. <laughs> when I when I was uh, doing BP, very often I'd have as little as forty eight hours notice to learn how to um, uh, abseil down the front of a fucking massive like skyscraper. Yeah. yeah, and I'd just learn it. You know that that's one of the traits they look for in BP presenters is the ability Please to suggest. learn very quickly, often on the job. Yeah. Course. Whereas Dave Lee Travis, I've got to be. I mean, if we put all of his, you know, later crimes aside and just hard look at to him, though, isn't it? It's hard to. But let's just for the purposes of this conversation, let's imagine that we are the exec producer or commissioner of um, the BBC's motorcycle commissioning department. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mot- head of motorcycle programming at the BBC <laughs> in 1979, and you're looking for a host. And someone says, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Mm. How about Dave Lee Travis? Dave Lee Travis from Radio 1? Yeah. The hairy cool You know, they know the first fucking thing about fucking motorcycles. Well, but he has got the... He's, he's got the pizzazz. He'll he's keep got the it wow moving. Factor. He'll yeah. keep it funny. And he's a little bit of a wild card. He'll keep it too light. much of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've said this before, but when I interviewed Dave Lee Travis for that Top of the Pops article that I posted on the Turbo, his favourite memory that he shared with me was God. him riding into the studio to do oh, a link yeah. on a small, on a miniature monkey bike. A monkey Wearing a fireman's helmet. Yeah, a mo- is that not the best name for a bike? A monkey yeah, bike. A monkey bike. So, <laughs> so when they called him, he would have been like, "What's that?" His agents on the phone. What's that, mate? Yeah, motorbike show. They're asking what my credentials. Yes, they like you, 
because they know you'll keep it light. Of course I'll keep it fucking light. It's <laughs> what I'm fucking known for. Well, yes, that's what I'm they DLT. say. DLT. I've got an initial instead of the name. Keeping it light's my middle fucking name. Yes, they, they understand that, but they are worrying a, a little bit about your credentials. What do they fucking mean, credentials? Well, uh, your, your credibility in the world of motorcycle sports. Haven't they seen the fucking legendary link where I rode into the TOTP <laughs> studios on a fucking monkey bike? Uh, oh, I'm, no, perhaps I'll send that over to them on a tape. Yes, I I'm, suggest you fucking do. I've got a framed photograph of the cunt in my office. Haven't they seen it? <laughs> I'm wearing a fucking fireman's hat. <laughs> so Tell that, do your job earn your fucking 10% you fucking fuckwit <laughs> <laughs> okay Dave I'll get straight on it Dave Lee Travis and I don't think any episodes with Dave Lee Travis exist in the well not on YouTube anyway and they might be wiped from the archives as well but those two, first two series were only three episodes long all subsequent mm. series were only three four episodes three episodes is enough for this shit <laughs> Trust if me. If I can't do it in one day, I'm not doing it at all. <laughs> That's my rule. Trust me, the audience filming. will be bored out of their fucking cocks by the time you get to episode three. <laughs> <laughs> but all the other series were only four episodes long. I did not know that. It all seemed like it went on longer. Maybe yeah. that's why it, it's such, to me it sometimes such felt memories. Because every series was over so quickly, it just left you gagging for more. Yeah, and you've got sort of instant gratification from it as well. Like, you start watching it, and then very quickly the final's upon you. Um, Just a little bit on Peter Purvis, Mm. because he was actually on uh, Good Morning Britain this morning, on the deal we're recording. Yeah. That's a weird coincidence. Um, Is that what gave you the idea? uh, It might have done, subconsciously. Okay, okay. So That's less weird, then. Yeah. What it is, Steve Wright is finishing on BBC Two in the afternoons, the Steve Wright in the I afternoon know, show. Which I is know, really we're, we're meant to talk about that on our Monday episode, because yeah. that is a real... Steve Wright is is a fucking legend. He's a broadcasting legend. Yeah. I actually spent some time on Friday when the news broke. Mm. I was saying to my missus, I was like, fucking hell, Steve, Steve Wright's quick. Now, her familiarity with Steve Wright is that when she works on book campaigns, mm. the hot slot, when you're booking a publicity campaign for a book, it's Steve Wright in the afternoon. Always oh, has been. Yeah. Always has been, right? Mm. So for her, she's been in that studio quite a lot of times with various authors whose books she's been working on, right? And she's like, the first thing you do when you're looking at a campaign, the top of your list is always, whatever the book, even if it's quite highbrow, try and get on Steve Wright in the afternoon. Try and get Steve Wright. You get them on Righty, right? And you yeah. will see the moment they come off air, the it shoot up the Amazon charts in real time. Absolutely, yeah, spikes. Right? Yeah. Whereas I, I did once appear on Steve Wright's show promoting my first book, and right. it was a fucking, it was, it was a very brief appearance. Um, there's so much going on on his show, there's not much yeah. time for, you know, to, to really talk much. Just, yeah. There's loads of fucking shit going on, mm-hmm. and you're just like squeezed in between all the funny noises and voices and mad things. But, it was one. It was wondrous experience, right? right? I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! This is a yeah. master at work." Jalapeno. Jalapeno. So I was like, "Ah, oh, Steve Wright's ended," and she was like, "Oh, that's a shame." But she was thinking of it cynically in terms of what a great place to promote books and stuff. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, he's a fucking genius." She went, Are "You joking? You never listen to Radio Two?" And I went, "That's true, I don't." But he is a genius. She went, "Well, how do you fucking know if he's a genius?" So I said, "I'll fucking prove it." Yeah. I said, first of all, I know because 
anyone who I like on radio who's entertaining and funny will always cite Steve Wright as, if not their main influence, at least one of their major yeah. influences. Yeah. For most of them, even the ones you think don't sound anything like Steve Wright, they'll mm. be like, he's the king, right? But also, I said, listen to this. I'll fucking prove it. By this stage, obviously, she's trying to back out of the room because she can realise she, she, I'm, I'm on yeah, one. She, yeah, yeah. This but I started, I started Googling his I'm going to start Googling bits. now. Yeah, I'm going to show you the best bits of his show in 1983. Sit there, darling. I'm going to start Googling. Uh, sit, yo, sit yourself down. Stick the kettle on. You're in for the log all now. <laughs> It was, it was, I mean, in the end, she did just leave the room, but I didn't care. I sat there listening to it on my own. <laughs> With my headphones in. <laughs> the kids are like, what's dad doing? Oh, he's listening to old he's radio to clips from the 1980s. He'll be in there for ages. <laughs> Go on, righty. Right. But I'm telling you, mate, it's fucking funny. When he did all those characters, right? In 1983, it's sort of stuff that would still be considered sort of really funny and edgy it would be a podcast now they wouldn't let it on the radio it was like Probably. Radio 1 and he's doing mm. all that character like Mr Angry would call up yeah. do you remember that yeah. Mr Angry calling up complaining about shit David yeah. Bowie doing the fucking weather I was thinking that was, that oh was... but this sounds like this sounds like a better version of Top Flight Time Machine well, exactly. Yeah, and he was I mean, doing that, it in 1983 that was Phil Cornwall who did it was yeah, uh, yeah doing a lot of those Bowie. voices yeah and also did Gilbert the Alien when that yeah, used to be on the yeah. telly. But, but Phil Cornwall used to do a thing on Steve Wright's show called Billy and Dave, and it was two characters having a conversation, kind of like Mel Smith and Griff Reese Jones used to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were fucking brilliant. And I think Phil Cornwall played both parts, and he recorded them and, like, edited it all together to make it sound like it was two separate blokes having a conversation with each other. And they were fucking brilliant. Me and my mate used to he, listen to them I mean, every yeah, afternoon. Phil Cornwall's a genius. My, when my, my brother, uh, Theo Spurs family, he does this... Um, really popular Spurs podcast called The Spurs Show and he's been doing it for like years must be about 15 mm. years and I obviously don't listen to it I despise the whole idea of it but when he first started <laughs> doing it he sometimes he well if your brother supported Newcastle you wouldn't listen to his fucking God podcast fucking would wouldn't. you right no. and especially he, not uh, he just done me out of Wimbledon tickets I know on top of everything <laughs> But when he first started going on it, the reg- he was just a guest. Like Now he hosts it quite often. But right. when he first started going on it, the regular host was Phil Cornwell, who's a massive Spurs fan. And I'm telling you, like he would play me clips or whatever, and if it wasn't the fact that I find Tottenham hateful and sickening, right? <laughs> I, it was almost so funny that it would be worth listening to, because he would do, whoever the manager was, and it was during a period they kept changing manager, <laughs> yeah. right? And he did this Martin Yole thing as a psychotic Dutchman. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. And then when they sacked Yole, everyone thought, oh, it's going to be the end of the... It's going to be the fucking end of this uh, podcast now. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was all about the... But he immediately switches to... It was that Spaniard they had, and he only lasted five minutes. Oh, Jesus one, Christ. One Miguel one... something or other. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. He looked like yeah. an old crooner. He had a touch of the Inglésiases mm. about him. And he did him just basically like Tony Montana from Scarface, right? right. But in press, in football press conferences yeah. and stuff like that, I tell you, I only have two things in this fucking world: my word and my balls, right? And like, <laughs> but it was so fucking. It was just brilliant. But it was yeah. a Tottenham podcast, so you couldn't listen to it. But I would hear clips, and it yeah. was, uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just everything he's ever done's been fucking amazing. Yeah, 
I thought there'd be lots of that a billion DF stuff on the internet, but it doesn't seem like there is because I was looking this morning. But um, getting back, back to Steve Wright, before I go back to Peter Purvis, just still on Steve Wright, obviously there's those brilliant pictures of him getting out of the back of his Land Rover because it was too big for yeah, his garage. Yeah, he got stuck, yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. But also, um, there's a short video interview. Uh, you know David Hepworth and Mark Allen, who used to yeah, edit Smash Hits and Q Magazine? Yeah. They do a thing called Word in Your Ear podcast and, and YouTube. Yeah. Thing. Um, and they did a quick mini episode as a kind of a Steve Wright tribute, and they got on Trevor Dan. He was the head of oh. Radio One in the mid eighties, oh, yeah. late, late, oh no, yeah. mid nineties when there was that big cull. Radio legend um, Trevor Dan. Yeah, I mean the the blood on the carpet episode about Radio One is very diveable. We should probably get yeah. into that. Oh at some yeah, point. I'd love to I'd love to do that. Uh, yeah, put that on the list. Uh, but Trevor Dan was just on talking about because he used to produce Steve Wright show back back in the day, yeah. and he said. Um, there was two things that really stood out. There's one thing he said. A lot of the interviews, the celebrity interviews, were recorded the day before they were broadcast. They recorded them as mm. live. Uh, this might not have been the case with you. You probably did it live. Yeah, I yeah. think I did live, yeah. So they'd record them live, and then somebody would have to edit them for the next day so they'd be absolutely pin sharp because Steve Wright hated the sound of breathing. <laughs> and somebody had to go through and take out all the, the sounds of yeah. some, whoever it was, him the guest, whatever, breathing yeah. in the episode. Yeah. The removal, you know, normal. Um, and the <laughs> other thing was David Hepworth talked about a time when he was presenting um, Roundtable, which was the Radio 1 singles review show. It used to be on Friday tea time, about yeah. half past six. And he was guest presenting that, filling in for someone. And he went on the Steve Wright show in the afternoon just to give it a bit of a plug, you know, like you do. You go in the studio for a couple of minutes, see yeah. you're going to be doing the next show you know, tee it up, see what's going to be on and all that kind of thing. And he says, I went in and uh, sat down and Steve Wright says, now oh, we're joined by uh, David Hepworth, who's going to be presenting, uh, you're going to be presenting Roundtable a bit later on, is that right, David? And he says, uh, he says, I was just about to begin speaking and Steve just got up and walked out the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely power player. Yeah, he said. He said I was just sat there scrambling, trying to fill this airtime where it was just me. And he, was, what, he wasn't going to ask me before, anything. But present a handovers on radio, especially when you're dealing with a veteran. Let's say. Yeah, oh, um, we've talked about before, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, they're like some of the worst situations, most toxic, suffocating, awkward, spiteful, yeah, yeah. and kind of mad, vicious little yeah. moments that. I've ever been through in my working life. <laughs> I mean, and sometimes people who you have a lot less respect for than Steve Wright will do it to you. <laughs> Shit just like that. And yeah. when it's Steve Wright, you could at least think, well, I've been mugged off by Steve Wright. Yeah. Living legend yeah. of the radio world. Sometimes it's just some cunt, like some an old <laughs> codger, who's outstayed their welcome on the airwaves <laughs> and he's just being a cunt because they're, they're just bitter. Whereas Steve Wright's just like, I don't need to sit here and listen to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm Steve fucking Wright. Yeah. And, yeah, and Trevor Dan was saying that uh, off off air, uh, Steve wasn't good at what you could call small talk. He was basically, <laughs> he, was, he was a radio animal. That yeah. was where he lived and breathed. That was his jungle, yeah. the airwaves. Yeah. And off air, he struggled with, like, you know, stuff yeah, like basic Yeah, I've met people like that as well. I've, I've yeah. met people who are really... I mean, when I... Well, I remember having a small off-air exchange room because I was a very uh, I was really into Top of the Pops too back in the era when he was doing it quite yeah. early on, and it was hilarious. Like his links mm. were really funny, piss takey links, right? Mm. And then it kind of Mark Radcliffe took over, didn't he? Yeah. 
And I think it's still quite funny. Mark Radcliffe's funny too, but there was something about when Steve Wright it's did it was quite... An, yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was very, very anarchic and weird when Steve Wright did it. And I was so into it. I think it was still quite the early days so, that I managed in a few moments off air to say, I just want to say I'm a massive fan of, of Top of the Pops too. Mm. And he was like, oh, great. Yeah, they've just taken me off it. I don't think they oh. quite picked up on some of the humour I was using. Oh. And I said, well, that's outrageous. I think it's one of the funniest things on TV. Um, but that was the only exchange. But, yeah, you do meet people sometimes. You must have met them who are, like, so funny and charismatic on air. Mm. But then off air, they can barely look you in the eye. And you I just think, think they just leave it all on the mic, mate. Yeah, yeah. They, they put it all into that. I think you've got to be a particular type of character to want to be a radio DJ in the first place. I think you've got to be quite yeah. a solitary person anyway. I and think so, probably, yeah, to survive it long term you, you do, you yeah. Probably, you probably serve your apprenticeship at home as a kid in your bedroom yeah. making radio shows. And yeah, I think most of them are, are like real, the, the real greats. I mean, I when I was just a, a print journalist before I started doing bits of radio myself, I had the privilege of sitting in the studio with a lot of kind of Legend, like so, I did that with him briefly. But I went on, I went on a tour with fucking Chris Evans when he was in his pomp. We went to yeah. Ireland and he did a series of shows in in uh, in Dublin for St Patrick's Day. And I, I, every Evans, day I was in the studio. I was in the studio with him in his imperial phase with the whole fucking posse and all that. And I was pretty young and I didn't really talk to him much, but I just watched him working and it was yeah. just fascinating. I did it twice with Chris Moyles. Who again, you know, these aren't everyone's cup of tea, but you, you, you know, whether or not you like him or find him funny or whatever, these people are fucking like the attention to detail yeah. and the, 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 the sort of like fastidiousness, the meticulous nature of how they broadcast and how they mm. kind of preside over their studio, right? Mm. To watch, when you hear it on air, it sounds like chaos, but when you see them, and they're fucking merciless as well to their teams around them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I think all of them. All of those people, they all go, oh, yeah, Steve Wright. Steve Wright was... and But I think you're right, yeah, a lot of them were doing this in on cassette to tape-to-tape yeah. tape uh, fucking uh, things in there. Yeah. Hey, Kenny Everett is probably the, the, yeah. the granddaddy of all of that, and he did that. He did cut-ups and tape stuff and, you know, yeah. messed about off-air off and made stuff. That was, it's a very was, particular type of craft, isn't it? But I'm yeah. glad it's still thriving in a way. Do you know Getting what I mean? Like, to- radio's still a big thing, so... Oh, that's what I was going to say, yeah. When they talk about getting on the Steve Wright show to promote your book, people forget how massive radio listener figures still are. Yeah. R- radio's fucking huge. Radio's never going to go away. And Yeah, everyone thought it would. Everyone thought it was dying. But um, funny enough, lots of other mediums that people didn't predict would die have died, right? Yeah. Uh, and people thought radio was out the window when fucking telly started. Like the, the, it the survived te- that. Survived the internet. If anything, I think it fucking is getting more popular because there's a certain wholesomeness certainly to bbc radio the whole idea of that uninterrupted warm feeling you get of being part mm. of something in a more and more disjointed society andy yeah. the yes, warmth some. and the sort of familial nature the mm-hmm. clubhouse nature of a good radio show is mm-hmm. is needed all the more or in a good podcast Podcasts i'll say no more similar. i'm not going to name yeah. any names or any we'll podcasts leave that up but to you to draw yeah, your own conclusions on that certainly will and just getting back to the uh, the concept of the, the the radio show handover between mm-hmm. shows, Phil Cornwall, mm. of course, played Dave Clifton yeah. in um, the Alan Partridge series, which absolutely per- perfectly <laughs> fucking distilled that, yeah. that that 
the vile nature. Not yeah. always. Sometimes I've done handouts with lovely people and I've looked forward to it. It's like the bit that you look forward to the most. Oh, but sometimes... Do you remember there was one broadcaster we won't name who I don't even have a problem with, but I remember whenever he knew it was us coming up next when me and you did a few shows together, he'd always mysteriously go missing. He'd be like off on location somewhere and the producer would say, okay, uh, hand over in two minutes. Is it with the usual guys? No, it's with uh, Sam Delaney and Andy Dawson this week. Fuck that. Those jokers. (laughs) Not talking to those couple of fucking imbeciles. And I've got a fucking idea what they're on about half the time. No, no, tell them they'll have to do a handover with themselves. <laughs> yeah. You, could, yeah. you couldn't blame him, though. I didn't take that well, personally. I could see no, his point not. of view. Yeah, he was a serious professional. Um, yeah. so Peter Purvis was on Good Morning Britain this morning talking about Steve Wright. And we often say Peter Purvis has retired from public life. That's that's actually a joke. That's just, he hasn't. That's just something we say, yeah. But he was talking about because Steve Wright didn't ask to leave the, the afternoon show. He's been he's been removed carefully. It's which is staggering, by the way. Yeah. Because the figures are still. I think it's still the biggest. I don't know, but I, it's still a fucking massive know. show. Yeah, they, they, and they've done it. And he he came out and he spoke on the steps of Broadcasting House and he was magnanimous about it and he said, yeah. It wasn't my idea, but these things happen. Things change. I'm, I've had you know, a good run. I'll look forward to whatever I get to do next. You know, there's other opportunities at Radio 2 that he's probably going to do weekend stuff and all that sort of thing. It was he's really similar to when he's I... 67, so maybe, you know, you know. It was really similar working. to when I had my... When my two-year contract at Talk Radio wasn't renewed to do drive yeah. time. You spoke on the steps of Talk Radio, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, there was a similar <laughs> outpouring. I stood there <laughs> on the steps of Talk Radio. five-a-side court. <laughs> No cunt was there. There was one guy who was a security guard. He was on his fag break and he listened, but uh, he just seemed confused, to be honest. Yeah. And I kept telling him, I said, don't don't cry. I'll be back. Trust me, I'll be back. Who knows where, but let's yeah. just say there are big plans for the future. Yeah. What? As- All I'll say is, watch this space. As one door closes, <laughs> another one opens, and I will probably just have to do that podcast now with that, with that weird, weird lad from Sunderland. <laughs> anyway, all the best. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so yeah, Steve Wright he didn't decide to go. Um, it wasn't his decision, but um, Peter Purvis was on, and the question was, is it ageist to sack Steve Wright, age 67? And Purvis was talking about when he was removed from Blue Peter. There's the, an element of bitterness as well, and all that kind of thing. So Purvis was there from his living room. Purvis is fucking 83 now. <laughs> but he's, uh, he's he's still in good nick, so it was nice to see Peter Purvis um, being slightly controversial. Oh, no, I'm glad, yeah, because I, I hate the idea that because we once started a joke. I think it was when you know you said many years ago when we were doing news thing that you'd like to see Grace Jones presenting Kickstart. Kickstart, yeah. And, mm. and it was then that it, you know one of us, someone's in the room said, "Yeah, because Peter Purvis, since Peter Purvis withdrew from public life, and then we've been saying it ever since." But then I felt bad because I thought maybe people he might still be looking at the phone waiting for some work to come in, yeah. and we're fucking spreading it around that he no longer wants work. He, as far as I understand it, he's very much still available and yeah. capable. Well, he was on there. He was on Good Morning Britain this morning, so uh, and he, he was very capable. So um, maybe we'll get him on. No, let's not. Human of honour. But you did mention Partridge there, and I have to say, not to get too ahead, and I'm sure we're wrapping the episode up soon anyway, before we get into the depth of the show, like, when you think about... The thing about when you look at Alan Partridge, you can't always quite put a finger on who it is 
he is parodying. And of course, mm. there's lots of young people who won't even recognise a lot of the references because yeah. you don't get a lot of people. You know, Richard Madeley, some people say Eamon Holmes, Titchmarsh, these are the sort of people that he draws upon. But actually, the reality is, is that if you grew up in the 1980s, but certainly the early to mid 80s, mm. most television presenters had that Alan Partridge vibe. Yeah. Not just in the sort of awkward things they said, but in the way that they kind of dressed and looked and the sense that they were kind of yeah. sort of creepy in a, in a weird way that you couldn't quite put your finger on how or why. And, the and a lot of them um, were creepy in real life. Oh yeah, it turned out they were. But I think it's such an, a, a subtle amalgam of pretty much every male presenter you saw on TV when yeah. you were a kid. And, uh, and when this opens, right, Peter Purvis is, is dressed... In um, this sort of very partridge leisure zip up top, almost like a shell suit jacket, right? Yeah. I think shorts, but the no tight slacks, which are also <laughs> very partridge. But throughout the opening part of the program, where he's interviewing someone who seems to be the guy who helped set up the track, the yeah. assault course, right? Jack Stace. He's, Jack Stace. He's inexplicably stood, Purvis, right? With one foot up, really high. <laughs> one foot on the ground, <laughs> and the other foot, like, implausibly high on, like, yeah. a bit of wood. Right? One of the logs. It's one of the obstacles. In, an, yeah. in, in, in a sort of a, a very sort of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like, it's a power pose, isn't it? It's a yeah. pose that, that a gorilla in the in the wild, it's the sort of he pose that exactly a gorilla like uses. A gorilla. Yeah, his arms establish- like this. Yeah, yeah, to establish his credentials as the alpha yeah. of the pack. And he's got his his trousers are so tight. I mean, I'm serious when I say this, Andy. I could not take my eyes off his crotch for the entire link. Because he's wearing these super tight sort of light blue slacks. Yeah. And his cock and balls are very prominent. And they're at eye level because of the way that yeah. he's chosen to put one foot up. I mean... You know. But the thing is, though, Jack States then mirrors him. Jack States puts his foot yeah. up on one of the it's logs a battle. as well. So it's, it's a, a battle. battle for alpha status. There can only be one alpha in a, in a situation. It's, it's a battle at 6pm on BBC Two on a Wednesday evening. And <laughs> Listen, not you know your bikes and I accept that. But at the end of the day, it's my fucking name on the titles of this show. <laughs> it's called Peter Purvis's Kickstart. It's actually not. It's just called Kickstart with Peter Purvis. Wow. <laughs> In that case, my agent's getting fucking fired because I specifically said I wanted them to change it to Peter Purvis's Kickstart. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, the first episode, I reckon. And we haven't really got as far into it as we thought we might do. But we've had a delightful well, chat about broadcasting, broadcasters, yeah. uh, Steve Wright, Steps, Phil Cornwell. Slopes, and, uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, also. and the Slopes chat was... I, You know, I can feel that Slopes chat going a bit yeah. deeper. Uh, I think that on our history next tour, there could be the history of Slopes. slopes. <laughs> invented <laughs> by Sir John Slope in 1862. Yeah, in 1862. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right, then. So we'll be back with the next episode, and we'll probably have a proper look at the uh, the Kickstart show, um, other than the, uh, the the testicular standoff at the beginning. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.